millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Deliciously Stellar podcast. Today I'm here with Ian Marber, the food writer and nutritionist. Hello, Ian. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. It's a pretty miserable day today. Um, it's my pleasure. I'm soaking wet, but thrilled to be here in the dry. Ian and I have just been talking about what we had for breakfast and um, I'm feeling quite virtuous because I actually had Weetabix. I had eggs. Is Weetabix actually healthy or is it one of those things you think no, it's secretly not? Fine. It's um, low fat, very high fibre, um, no protein though. You might want to add a little bit of protein, even a spoonful of yoghurt or um, I mean, you can put roast beef with it if you want. Any protein will do. <laughs> Pop some roast beef on my Weetabix. <laughs> you could. Well, they why do, not? They do say you can have them with anything. They're always like, oh, have them with honey today. Have them with chocolate buttons. Have them with roast beef. Do you think if there was an eighth day of the week, that's the, what would be on the advert? Absolutely, definitely. Um, so we want to talk to you today a little a bit about eat clean and what's going on at the moment with nutrition how different it is to when you were sort of the go-to person gosh i feel like a real has-been you're not a has-been you're <laughs> no, not no, a no, has-been no, is... sorry that was rude no, no, well, the, the difference is very simple actually it's social media um back, yeah. i mean 10 12 years ago when i was sort of publishing a book a year and doing television every week um social media was, was there was only facebook really not that much either um, and the difference is that you when you couldn't gauge how well you were doing, apart from, say, on book sales, and you certainly couldn't gauge your influence and you certainly didn't interact with your audience to the same degree because uh, occasionally someone would write into the studio or send a letter to your office, but you didn't really get that much interaction, whereas now you know exactly what's working and not working. And I think that's a huge difference. And that's one of the reasons, perhaps, that the wellness bloggers and the people of today are doing so well, that they, they have harnessed that. I would argue that there's quite a lot of pressure on that. I mean, I'm certainly finding it recently because even though what I do is different in the way that I'm parodying it and what I'm doing is supposed to be funny, I still very much do it for the likes. And I found that if I get less likes on a post than usual, I'm, I'm quite affected by that. It's very difficult to actually parody these people without actually becoming quite personal. Mm. And I've noticed that you're not personal about it, which is, I mean, obviously, I, I would say it's the right thing to do. But it's very easy to get personal about these people. Um, and they give us so much to be personal about. But um, it really is the movement. And they seem to just be the manifestation of it more than anything. The world of nutrition is, is ridiculous and even more <laughs> ridiculous now than it was, say, 10 or 12 years ago. It is 
uh, mind-boggling. It seems to be that the further science develops, the further people can go from it. I, I, I was thinking about that coming here this morning, and um, in a way, it's such an easy target to take the piss out of these people, but I'm, and the the subject and the way they deal with it. But actually, as science becomes supposedly more accessible, mm-hmm. um, I do wonder if it's become therefore more inaccessible for people. In other words, the language we we've seem to have given up on using certain words in language. I mean, I did a piece for a newspaper the other day. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty highbrow newspaper. And when it was actually published and I saw what I'd written being edited, uh, you wouldn't believe that this was a broadsheet. Mm. It, the, the language was dumbed down. Um, I mean, if you mention, say, cholesterol, uh, an editor might say, what does that do? Whereas you might think that the readers of a broadsheet would know that that was uh, something that, you know, a, a red flag if it was the wrong type of cholesterol. But I often think that if the financial pages or the political pages were edited in the same way, the, mm. the sentence might be, today in Parliament, David Cameron, open brackets. Now, he's the head of the Tory party. That's the <laughs> one that won the last election. And I think that um, we've given up so much on sort of understanding science, and that's given an opportunity for people who speak in sound bites. Um, yeah, I find that the, my, my sort of problem with the whole thing has been that nobody's questioning anything, and it's like people are accepting stuff at face value without going... Maybe if I opened a book and I had a look, I would find out that's not true. There's absolutely right. But there's something else that I don't understand is that a lot of the theories that the wellness bloggers seem to espouse have been debunked. They have been um, ridiculed. They have been shown in the most robust scientific way not to be biochemically possible or dangerous. Yet they still hold on to them. And that's the bit that really worries me the most is that even though they, they have to know, they have to have read your blog, they have to have heard about it, they have to have a friend tell them, or even in their quietest moments have a quick peek with no one knowing about it. They must know that, let's say, the alkaline theory is bonkum. Mm. So why do they continue? Are they so deeply invested? I think they're, well, they're deeply invested in what's lining their pockets, I think. I think also it would be it would be sort of churlish to, to say that they don't believe in it because I'm sure they do. And, you know, it might have worked for them because every single person is different. And I'm quite sure that one of them has done something and it's it's made her feel great. And she thought, oh, I'll help make other people feel great as well. Which is but, very noble. Which is noble. Yes. But, you know, the Internet exists and you can go online and you can read the paper and you mm. can see that it's not real. So then mm. you should... But but then, I mean, you you mentioned sort of lining pockets. I do wonder if it goes sort of further than that. But I think that um, a lot of people have found a uh, a vocation, a career, an identity uh, through what they do and having backing a certain way of living or way of eating. And um, uh, if you challenge that, even saying, "Well, look, you're putting forward a scientific theory, and here is the science that proves it cannot be right, and you should stop." If they were to stop, then they lose their identity. And yeah. Of course, who wants to do that? That's very true. Um, yeah, it's something that probably defines their lives now, and you know, it's their career, it's their livelihood, it's it's what they do, it's their thing. You know, they're the person who turns up to a dinner party and is brought a bag of kale. Yes. Like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> yeah. But, but at the same time, here we are talking about them. I know, and um, they're not talking about us. That is, well, Actually, maybe they are. You don't know that. Maybe they are. Maybe they've got voodoo dolls and they're sticking little sort of, you know, rosemary twigs into them. I'm quite one of sure. You and one of me. I'm quite sure a couple of wellness bloggers have got a, a voodoo doll of me. I have been feeling a bit spiked recently. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do. I do think though that um, you know it's very important that. Uh, you know, with great power comes responsibility, etc. And if you do have five hundred thousand followers, and um, you're you're 
you do have a responsibility in what you say to them, especially if you're making pronouncements upon something that can actually affect their physical yeah. well-being. Somebody actually got me confused with a wellness blogger the other day and they wrote a really impassioned comment underneath one of my pictures saying that it was so unsafe of me to suggest to listen to your body, not your doctor, and how my healthy recipes were actually really dangerous because I had lots of impressionable followers. And I was like, oh, I think you might be a tiny bit confused. This is a parody account. And then yes. he sort of had copied and pasted this sort of this letter about what being a doctor means and what a medical degree provides mm -hmm. you and how long it takes and put that underneath and I was like yes and I'm aware what a doctor is I go and see one quite regularly yes. well, <laughs> have, of course if you ate more kale you wouldn't need to of course you know I don't eat enough chai seeds to not have to go I was like I know my GP well <laughs> I've started to go to the gym a little bit because I think it's a good idea and the other day I was in the gym and the only things I could find to wear were these really sort of like illegally short shorts because all my leggings were in the wash and I went to the gym and obviously they've got that big wall of mirrors and I sort of lay down to do some sort of sit-ups and stuff and I start waving my legs in the air and then I realised that I'm waving my legs in the air in front of a mirror and everybody on the treadmill behind me can literally see my vagina. Everybody. My horrible, horrible camel toe in my horrible, horrible shorts. My mum bought me those shorts. And it was just the most utterly offensive sight in the world. It was absolutely disgusting. I'm only going to be wearing leggings from now on. So you mentioned earlier the alkaline diet. Like yes. I'm kind of fascinated by this because I don't really understand what it is. Can you explain it to me, please? Um, I can explain what the theory is. The theory is that certain foods can change the alkalinity of your blood and your tissue. Uh, and then the next step, which I keep hearing from, from wellness bloggers, is that uh, cancer thrives in an acid environment. Therefore, eating an alkaline diet will prevent certain forms of cancer. Um, See, I've done a science GCSE and I know that that is not the case. Good. Now, um, <laughs> the, 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 blood, the pH of the blood is the potential hydrogen is kept at a very, very tight rain so it's therefore i think it's 7.35 7.45 so i can't remember exactly and i should remember but it's between a very narrow margin and if the blood becomes too alkaline then uh substances are added to the blood to make it more acid and vice versa mm -hmm. uh, in making the blood it tends to become more acid than alkaline but that doesn't have to be the case so if the blood becomes too acid then or the the, the ph of the body becomes too acid then uh, a buffer system kicks in and that actually makes the blood or the body more alkaline in doing so it will potentially borrow calcium from the bones uh, there is some research to show that if you are in a very acidic state then you have a potential for more osteoporosis a higher potential for osteoporosis uh, and that's the only paper the only research i'm aware that shows that there's a downside to being acidic more mm. important well, that there is a downside more importantly and this is the crux that the 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 wellness bloggers seem to ignore you cannot change your acid alkaline balance through diet uh, if you were to do so, you could do it for a nanosecond, a millisecond of a nanosecond, mm. uh, because the human body has wonderful ability to look after itself, homeostasis. And therefore, if it becomes too acid, we make ourselves more alkaline and vice versa. You cannot change it through diet. There is one way, however, that these wellness bloggers seems to have, uh, have leapt upon it, which is if you eat lots of acid, whatever that might be, certain meats, certain uh, foods that have a, an acid residue, uh, your metabolites, your excretive metabolites, so saliva and urine, become more acid. And that mm. proves, that proves that you're more acid. Actually, that's just your excretions. And that's the excretions are the, your body the, doing its job, isn't it? Precisely. It's precise. It's like saying, well, look, actually, there's CO2 in what you're excreting. Uh, therefore, you're ill. 
But in fact, you're supposed to excrete carbon dioxide yeah. in your breath. Yeah. And so therefore, it's a complete misunderstanding, but it seems to be a willing misunderstanding, a willful misunderstanding of the science. Yeah. So imagine someone who has a, a, a large business centered around this theory. If they would acknowledge the theory was wrong, you have to close down, don't you? Mm. I think there's there's a lot of willful ignorance around in the world today. Yes, I think there is. But I think, um, I mean, obviously this being my pet subject is yeah. one that sort of gets my goat and raises my blood pressure. Well, it certainly raises mine. Apparently I have high cholesterol. Do you? Yeah. Not the bad kind, just the like genetic kind. Okay. Still not brilliant. <laughs> uh, well, so you're, sorry, I don't mean to be a diagnosis and I'm certainly not a doctor, but your HDL is high. I believe so, yeah. My dad's is also. Okay, so, so it's, it's a nice, familial high cholesterol. Yeah, a nice familial. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ill trait, yeah. I appear to have inherited every single illness that my family has, like all at once. It's like it's all just been packaged into one child. And all my brothers and sisters are absolutely 100% healthy. And they're like, oh, well, you know, there is that thing. Yeah, no, I've got it now. Yeah. I've got it. I've got them all, mum got them all thanks so much did you smoke when you were pregnant probably i think i was dropped on my head in tk matt's car park and that's what happened <laughs> what i find really fascinating about i mean you talk about illnesses for instance is that the various people that we're talking about seem to be inherently healthy uh, and the story is often built around you know i was unhealthy yeah and then i ate this way and everything changed yeah um, so it's very subjective in other words i am the world if it worked for me it must work for everybody else which is noble and that's a lot of people's experience as well um but I suppose it's also this lack of sort of filtering and lack of understanding that they are not the world mm. and it doesn't work for everybody. And, and a lot of what they espouse, so you know, listen to your body, well, actually, you're not saying listen to my body, you're saying listen to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, listen to your body, effectively. Listen and to my body and my diet and buy my yes, book. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And also a lot of the, the sort of PR spin about it is that I used to feel like crap and now I don't because I ate this way. Well, you've got to ask. A lot of these people are, uh, seem to be highly educated. I mean, some of them even have a degree in art history. Um, oh. <laughs> and Burn. No, no, I don't mean that hard. But they, in other words, they, they've, they've achieved the right level of, of education to get into university. Yeah, they've no, no, they have. They have, they have. Um, and they've come up with decent degrees. And um, so how could they have been eating that way before? 
Did no one in their life say, listen, sweetie, Haribo for breakfast, nah. Yeah, exactly. Like, pesto pasta is delicious, but three meals a day, it does not make. No, no, no. And, and so how did they manage in this age of information, because most of them are reasonably young, to get to the point with their privileged upbringings, to get to the point where they didn't know? And you have to ask yourself, is science and is, is the, uh, the, the, the health policies of the, the land, are they so awful that they're not reaching their intended targets? That's just another side of it, because, you know, frankly, whoever thought that Harry Bow for breakfast, even if they did look like a fried egg, was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I do love a Harry Bow fried egg. I like the fizzy ones. Oh, I love the fizzy ones. Haribo Tangfastics. Tangfast, that's the one. Yeah. I, 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 um, I'm afraid I have um, several, well, hundreds of weaknesses. We'd be here all day. But one of my weaknesses is if I'm on a, a, a fairly long drive and I stop in a motorway place, yeah. I do tend to buy my treat as the Tangtastics. I stopped to buy, fill up with petrol. Your secret shame. My secret shame. I've got to drive to Oxford after this, and I, there's, a, there's a, somewhere on the M40, there's got a, a craving for It's got my name on it. Sugar and gum Arabic, here I come. <laughs> So I'm a little bit hungover today and that's because something really cool that happens now because I have an Instagram is sometimes people will invite me for dinners and I get it all for free and I just have to take some pictures. So I went to this amazing Michelin star sushi thing last night at this restaurant called Carousel and every single sushi was paired with its own sake which is like a sort of rice wine and they believe in Japan that you have to be really super generous and so they pour the sake over the top of the glass and into this box underneath so you don't just do one shot of sake you do one shot of sake and then all the excess that is in this box we were meant to sit down and eat at 7.30 but we didn't really eat until quite a lot later so by the time my sort of first piece of raw fish came out I was absolutely smashed because in Japan you don't have bread baskets that's what bread baskets are for. Bread baskets are there to mop up all the alcohol that you drink before you eat your meal. Okay, so not suggesting that you are in any way old, but you must have oh, yeah. seen a lot of food fads come and go. Do you think that this is the worst one you've ever seen? Emphatically, yes. When I started practicing, which is um, 19 years ago, 18 years ago, the people who would, and the fads that would get under my skin that I got bored of being asked about in, say, 2001, 2002, would have been the high-protein Atkins diet, and mm. that died a death. And the various people who had discovered something new, the various stars, whoever they might have been, I can't remember their names. Uh, I mean, this, I should sing a, a chorus of I'm Still Here, obviously, but, um, <laughs> but there is a, uh, this is by far the worst, and it's the social media that drives it. Yeah. And, um, it's also the characters involved seem to be larger than life now, rather than just another person who happens to be in the right place at the right time. It seems they seem very self-propelled and very determined. But maybe I'm just witnessing them that I wouldn't have witnessed other people before because of the social media. I just can't really think of, when I think back to the Atkins, my mum went on the Atkins, I remember it really well. I can't think of like a face that was so prominent as these girls' faces are in my life. And it is yeah. the social media, because every time I go online... I see one of them. They're all over my Twitter, my Instagram. They're in the papers. But you're right. There just wasn't the same sort of exposure for the people who no. were behind the, those other diets. I guess when Carol Middleton went on the Ducan, that was a bit of a hoo-ha. But she, she wasn't... I mean, that's the, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't remember her actually saying it. No, anyway, she definitely, she did, she definitely she didn't. didn't. And there was no sort of like, this is what I'm doing. And yeah, it's the social media aspect completely. I, I, th I also think there's um, a, a media aspect to this, which is that the... 
because all media outlets, newspapers or websites or whatever, they need something that they can own. Um, and so, and they take the shortest possible route sometimes and the laziest route. So for instance, you, you might sort of mention your celebrity clients. Well, I mean, I've obviously over 19 years had a handful and, um, I don't talk about them because it's, well, it's nobody's business and it's not that important because, mm. uh, one colon's much like a next when you're talking <laughs> about bloating. But I've always thought it was rather, uh, some of the newspapers say X or so-and-so whose celebrity clients include X, Y, and Z. Have they ever said that? I mean, there was a, there's a very well-known um, health professional, I won't say who or what they do, who claimed to have Madonna as a client. Mm. Um, and Madonna's lawyers thought otherwise. Yeah. And um, were quite uh, strong in their protest, which, uh, and I don't see why, because it wasn't, you know, there's not a, didn't sell crack, Yeah. <laughs> this person. I mean, they were selling health, so it's not a bad thing. But it's interesting that now um, it works both both ways. A lot of the, the reality stars seem to think it's very good to be associated with these health professionals or unprofessionals and vice versa. Yeah, I definitely see that. I think, um, yeah, people at a, at a certain lower level of fame think that they can, they can increase their fame by, you know, getting their bodies to be more fit and look better in inverted commas. But interestingly enough, uh, over the weekend I was... Um, looking at the Sunday papers and there was a photograph of a reality star. I don't know what she was on, maybe a big brother mm. who is now obese. Mm -hmm. And then the next box down on the Daily Mail's sidebar of shame, yeah. there was a picture of someone who used to be in steps, who's now really slim, who's had her problems with eating over the years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so-and-so showcases their, showcases their new body after working with X, Y, and Z. What happens when it goes wrong? Yeah. You know, and it always does because they, you know, unfortunately, often what they're doing is unsustainable. What happens when it goes wrong? And um, so, in other words, these fads, we don't, we tend to notice this positive side because the negative side of them isn't really trumpeted on Instagram in the same way, is it? No, it certainly isn't. You don't, you, you're right. You don't put up a bad selfie. You don't put up, oh, I've gained, I've gained loads of weight. Yeah. You don't. It just doesn't happen. So all you see are the positive effects, the supposedly positive effects yes. of the things that people are doing. You're not going to go, went on a juice cleanse and gained five pounds. Yes. Oh, or, or I went on a glue clean, juice cleanse and actually um, I've affected my insulin resistance. And yeah, and I fainted time. on the tube. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter as long as I'm thin. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of AbFab, actually. It shows you what my weekend was like. We watched AbFab over the weekend. There was an old episode where Patsy is in New York and reporting back to Adina. She says she, about someone in New York. So she's the perfect weight for New York, three pounds above all failure <laughs> but that is so true today and that's so sad it's so sad that that sort of parody still rings so true well it's not sad because i'm going to write a sitcom about it obviously good um the new ab fab with, uh, what are you going to call it well i'm not sure yet but my show is about deliciously seller and she's at right she's in rivalry with a woman called amazingly alicia right and her cousin appallingly sheila also features <laughs> Will you um, feature any has-been health professional? Oh, my God, I would love to. <laughs> you can come on as a guest one night. A guest, okay, maybe I can be a client of, of Amazingly Alice or whatever she's called. Um, Amazingly Alicia. Amazingly you could Alicia. definitely be a client of Alicia's. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so good. Obviously, Looking when, for a cure for age. When Channel 4 commission it, they'll be like, oh, babes, know you so well, coming right back. It'll yeah. be amazing. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> oh, look who's come back from the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Do you think that there is a light at the end of the tunnel? Can you see this ever ending? Um, 
I thought I could when uh, it was at Belle Gibson, the Australian wellness blogger. The who, food babe. No, no, no. I think this is the one in Australia, not the Ameri- in the United States. The, the, oh, the young lady oh, who came to have a, a form of cancer, yes. Yeah. And um, she had a, a, I suppose the newspaper's called an empire. It's probably a business built on the back of this. Um, an app, books, TV shows, mm. columns, whatever it may be, who then uh, sometime later confessed to having not had cancer and therefore her diet or whatever it was, her way of eating hadn't cured it because she didn't have it. You'd think that would end it or at least, um, but... It hasn't. So I can't see how it's going to end. I mean, yeah, you would have thought that that would be the literal nail in your coffin pretending to have cancer. And then... You think it obviously it might be the end of her career, but other people's career, for instance. I mean, it's just written in stone that certain people have an illness, ate this way, and now they're better. Well, investigate it. What was wrong with them? Let's have a look at the, you know, I mean, interview their doctors. Were that possible? Yeah. Because uh, I don't... If you've built your fortune or your reputation or your identity on something that is false, then, you know, I don't think it's very fair on the rest of us. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's dangerous. I think it's silly. It needs to stop. So in a nutshell, we're not going to be eating clean anytime soon. What would your advice be for a healthy diet? I would say uh, lean protein, plenty of vegetables, some fruit, some dairy, nuts and seeds, legumes, plenty of fiber, not too much. Limit alcohol, certainly limit refined sugars. Uh, And if you have any questions about food or diet, go and see someone who is appropriately qualified um, Mm -hmm. and don't take advice from the internet. I think um, that would be it in a nutshell, though. But uh, also, more importantly, is build in some pleasure. A lot of what these people do is so joyless and so miserable and so controlled. Build in some pleasure and just remember that, you know, we live in abundant times and we are very, very lucky to have access to all this wonderful food. And um, eating is a pleasure and that's how it should remain. Mm -hmm. A couple of tongue fastics isn't going to kill you. No, unless I look the other way on the motorway when I'm (laughs) licking out the sugar from the bottom of the packet. (laughs) (laughs) so that's all for this week if you want to get in touch then you can follow me on instagram at deliciously stella or if you fancy coming on the show you can email me on deliciouslystella at gmail.com thanks so much for listening 